This is In the Word, On the Go, the podcast where we look at one verse from God's Word for 10 minutes of your day. Welcome to In the Word, On the Go. I'm Champ Thornton, your host. Whether you're listening by yourself or with a family, this podcast is here for you to spend 10 more minutes in God's Word while you go about your day. In each episode, I get to interview one person about a favorite verse from the Bible. And today I'm glad to welcome back Dr. Russell Moore. Russ is president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's the former provost and dean at Southern Seminary, where he's currently the distinguished professor of Christian ethics. He's also the author of numerous best-selling books, including The Storm-Tossed Family, How the Cross Reshapes the Home, and Adopted for Life, the priority of adoption for Christian families. Russ and his wife, Maria, are the parents of five sons, and I'm thrilled to have you back. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. So I'm looking forward to hearing what verses you have for us today. Well, today I'd like for us to look at uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter, uh, chapter 19 and verses 12 and 13, uh, which says this, And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So I have heard this passage preached on many times. And I was raised Mm -hmm. in a tradition that used the King James Version. And of course, it talks about the still small voice. So I'm looking forward to hearing your explanation of what's going on with that. So why don't we just dive in? So what's the context here? And what are these verses about? Well, the context is that Elijah has been driven out uh, into the wilderness by uh, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, who wanted to have him killed uh, because he opposed uh, the worship of, of false gods and they're setting up these false gods. And then he took out, uh, he took off uh, from the wilderness out toward uh, the mountain of the Lord, Horeb. And when he's, he's there, he goes into a cave. And the text says that there's a uh, there's a fire, there's an earthquake, there's all of these natural phenomenon uh, going on all around him that are really kind of spectacular. Um, but God was not in any of those. And then after that, there was. You're right. I grew up with the King James version too, saying "still small voice." The 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 words here are hard to translate, but there's something like the sound of thinnest silence. Hmm. which you think about it and you think, well, that doesn't even make sense. There, there is no sound to, to silence. <laughs> but that's, that's part of what's trying to be communicated here is, is the odd nature of it. Um, and that is when God then spoke to him. Hmm. And what's interesting to me is that God asks him the same question that he's repeatedly asking him in this chapter. <laughs> uh, what are you doing here, Elijah? Hmm. So what do you think the Lord's driving at with that repeated question? I think what God's doing there is, if you remember, this comes right after Elijah was on uh, Mount Carmel with the people who worshiped Baal, and uh, they had a contest uh, as to whose God would would hear them. And so the believers in Baal danced around and screamed and cut themselves and did everything else. Elijah simply spoke and fire came down from heaven. So there was this big, visible presence of God. I think what God is doing here is doing in Elijah exactly what he did on the mountain, (laughs) which is showing that he's not Baal. Uh, Because I think if if God had been present in the earthquake or in the fire, um, I, I think that there might have been the tendency for Elijah to see God as power. And that's what Baal was. Baal was the God you went to 
to get something. Baal could give you the stuff that you wanted and, and Baal could protect you from the bad things that you were afraid of. And, uh, and God's different than that. Uh, and so I think he was showing Elijah the way of the cross. Hmm. How do you think we're tempted today to grab for power as opposed to understanding that the Lord is more of, to use the King James, a still small voice? Well, I think that some of that has to do with the way that we see when God is with us. Um, I think sometimes we're tempted to think when it seems that God is distant and far away from us, that that means that God has abandoned us. Even those of us who know better and have been taught better, uh, we, we tend to think that. There was a, there's a, a preacher that, uh, that I, I love who said one time, and I think about it all the time, he said that moment in your life, often if you look back on it, when you felt as though you were the most abandoned by God, and when he seemed farthest away, is often the very place where God was closest to you and walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And I think that's exactly right. So I think there would be a tendency for Elijah, just like for all of us, to see God as somebody that we use to get what we want, Hmm. rather than a God who shapes us and conforms us into the pattern that he is. I think that's one way. The other way is just in terms of there's always this tendency to see power in and of itself as being a God, which means that it changes the way that you see people changes the way you see yourself. So if you think about it with uh, kids in a school, for instance, uh, or on a a playground or on a ball team, uh, tending to look and see who are the people that other people like and respect, and I'm going to pay attention to them, and I'm I'm not going to be around the person who's um, not liked and not respected and and, and maybe – uh, maybe is made fun of or, or those sorts of things because I want to I want to gain power is essentially what we're wanting. We're wanting status uh, in the eyes of other people when Jesus never does that. Uh, he always goes in the other direction. So I love this story from God's word, but I also want to hear like, what's the story with this verse in you? How, how did this verse become meaningful to you? Uh, this verse became meaningful to me when I, I went through a time when I felt as though I couldn't see what the future was for me. And that's the situation here for Elijah. He felt as though he had all of his expectations. He had completely failed in all of those and that there wasn't a, a future for him. And he kept sort of saying that to God. I've been obedient. I've done all of these things. And, and here I am chased out into the woods, essentially. And uh, God's response, it's really interesting. God's response is not ever to tell Elijah, here's what's going to, don't be worried. Here's what's going to happen in your life. Uh, instead, God says, you think that you're all by yourself, but you're really not. Hmm. I've got a remnant of 7,000 people who haven't uh, bowed the knee to Baal. And he says, I want you to go and choose Elisha, who's going to follow you. So he's talking about the future, but he's talking about a future that doesn't necessarily include Elijah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, it's something that God is not panicked like Elijah is here. But God also is saying to Elijah, I want you to be willing to pour your life out for what seems to be failure and irrelevance. And I think that's what a lot of us sometimes uh, need to need to hear, mm-hmm. especially when we sometimes uh, tend to think that, you know, in a, in a culture that sees everything in terms of performance mm-hmm. uh, and how well you're doing, we can sometimes think that God views things that way, too, and he doesn't. 
So if you were to take these verses and turn them on their head and rewrite them sort of as a screw tape letters version, what might that kind of version sound like? Uh, I think it would sound an awful lot like uh, what happens when James and John were with Jesus and they go through this near this area where Elijah was uh, with the prophets of Baal and the people rejected them and they said, uh, let us call down fire from heaven uh, on them. As though, you know, God is our uh, weapon uh, that we can use when we're rejected. And Jesus just totally uh, shuts that down uh, in the moment. I think that that actually is the reverse wow. of what we're seeing here before Jesus corrects it. Wow, I love it. That is a great insight there. So as families listen to this and they're wrapping up the podcast, what's a question that they could discuss amongst themselves about these verses? I think you might say something like, have you ever felt uh, lonely and as though uh, God was distant uh, from you? And uh, what do you think that God is was doing at that time? Or maybe you feel that way right now. And what do you suppose that God might be doing? So if, if the question here is, what are you doing here, Elijah? Maybe the question should be, what are you doing here? Fill in the blank of, of whatever your name is. And, and what's the answer that you may have? And it might be that your answer is, I don't know. Uh, and I've got I've to figure that out. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It sounds like it'll be great discussions in the car or in family groups later on. So would you just close our time by praying this verse for all of us? Sure. Lord, we thank you so much that you are not a God that is uh, something, somebody who is just uh, here to do things for us. But Lord, you are a, a God that goes beyond our expectations. And so, Lord, we ask that we would see you uh, not just in the big, spectacular moments, but that we would humble ourselves before the silences as well. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to In the Word, On the Go. For more information about this podcast or to listen to past episodes, visit wordonthego.net.